You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. If I would have had a time machine and been able to go 24 hours into the future to see the White Sox sign Andrew Benintendi to five years and $75 million, the show that came out the morning of the deal, where most of you listen to it about eight hours before Rick Hahn goes out and makes the move to bring in Benintendi, the show would have been no different. Because I'm sorry, I'm going to toot my own horn here for five seconds. I called the money that it would probably cost, and I said that was the best guy to get. And then I pointed out the guy I don't want is Joey Gallo, gave reasons why, and I thought it was wonderful to see the Twins within 15 minutes of the White Sox signing Gallo and all of those problems. That was a wonderful day back on Friday. Well, it was a perfect day, wasn't it? We talked about Ben Benintendi as, as a potential target in free agency. We talked about you can you can spend that money because you had that, that new media money coming in from the Disney Channel. Or I'm sorry, Disney Plus, uh, the, the deal that was worked out with the MLB. Disney bought the rest of the MLB streaming service, so Disney Corporation right, bought it. Was, but yeah. every team should have ended up with about $30 million, and that could all be spent right now because in the White Sox minds, it could be that $30 million is the first two years of the Benintendi deal. And then you have a bunch of money off the books when the 2025 season comes along. So if they can absorb the last three years because they have plenty of wiggle room. So I don't know if they've got anything left. You hope that they do, though. Well, and it's okay if they do or if they, they don't in some ways because what you've done is you've addressed a, a huge need in the lineup with a competent major league ball player, a guy who will step into this lineup, a guy who frankly has been consistent throughout his career and 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 i i'm you know i i wonder if people bought into what i think is is red sox nation being red sox nation about andrew benintendi because if you look at his numbers the bad year that he had in 2019 his bad year okay he was terrible he still played 138 games he had 233 total bases which was right around what he had had the previous two years his batting average was a little lower. He was not hitting home runs like everybody else was. I mean, that's, you know, that's something that, to consider. And I'm sure there's some advanced metrics and stuff like that that you could point to. But overall, the guy produces, and he kind of he is what he is, but he is a good major league outfielder. And the White Sox did not have enough good major league outfielders. They had DHs and first basemen cosplaying as major league outfielders, and you know, just like if you take home somebody who's dressed like Harley Quinn, when you get her there, she's <laughs> not going to be Margot Robbie. Wow, I did okay? not. I did not expect the conversation to go in that direction this early on in the well, show. Sa- welcome, save that for the show that the comes show. out right before the weekend starts. Uh, this episode of Socks in the Basement brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions for Boeing Walls, Window Wells, Foundation Crack Repair, Sump Pumps, Gutter Cleaning, anything to keep water out of the basement, protecting your foundation, your home. Give them a call 24-7-708-330-4466. Mention Sacks in the Basement. Get additional money off. Your basement's best defense is at FamilyDry.com. Andrew Benintendi is a victim of expectations from Red Sox fans that we don't need to carry over in this fan base. I see a guy who's consistent 
and he's either hitting around 300 and he doesn't need to be platooned because he can do it against both types of pitchers, righties and lefties. And he's a left-handed bat and he's a guy that could sit number two in your, in your lineup. And that's where I would expect him to go right now. When I, when I think of the White Sox lineup, just off the top of my head, I'm just kind of feeling Anderson, Benintendi, Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez, Andrew Vaughn, and I don't care what you do after that. You know, like that's kind of where I'm at right now. I, and I'm not even worried about left-handed, right-handed with that three, four, five, because all three of them, especially Jimenez, have shown that they can hit right-handed pitching. So I'm not I'm not concerned about that that much. But when I also look at Benintendi, I see a guy that's either going to hit around 300. Or he may drop the 270, but then that's when he's hitting for power. And with all this weird stuff with the baseballs, where we're reading reports that sometimes the baseball is different in one ballpark than another ballpark, and with the difference in shifting and the emphasis that may be put on speed with the larger bases and the rules with pickoffs and base running is going to be a thing again and a little bit more old school baseball to have a guy that I feel is going to be consistent, to have a guy that I'm not going to really worry about, I don't think, for the next four or five years. And, and I think that's a solid thing. He could literally play all five of those years and live up to that deal. So uh, we're going to wait and see on it. But I can't find an argument other than he doesn't hit 30 home runs. Like, that's the only thing anybody's angry about with Andrew Benintendi. And then I sit there and I see Sox nerd who's been on this show a million times, Dave Marin, who does the scoreboard stats. And I hope he throws it up there on opening day at the rate where he points out that his OPS, even though he's only hit two home runs in the rate, over his career, his OPS is well over 800. And I'll take a guy that hits him off the wall and moves guys around in the two spot of my lineup from the left side of the plate. You hit it on the head. I mean, what's the argument against this guy? He didn't live up to the hype from an early 2020 season, okay? Not the year 2020, but his first full year in the majors, he was a 20 homer, 20 stolen base guy. And everyone's going, oh, speed and power, speed and power. And watch how he's going to get bigger and better with that. And he didn't. And and the home run totals weren't rising above 20. That's that's still his high water mark. But he gets on base and he hits doubles. He hits a ton of doubles. He moves guys around. He 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 can keep the, the line going. He makes contact and he can run a bit and he can play his position. It's a foreign concept, I think, in some ways to this team <laughs> because we have guys who are bat first in just about every position, except for Luis Robert and Yohan Moncada, who I think are, are the only two that you can really sit there and say are, are either equal glove and bat in the case of Robert or glove first in the case of Moncada at this point. But everybody else is there is there for their bat, and this is not a team that needs to be, no Major League Baseball team needs to be nine guys who hit 30 home runs. It's just, it's not realistic, it's not feasible, and also you have to spend a ton of money to be able to pull that off, because if you look at the contracts that are out there right now, you're paying guys who can hit 30 home runs 10 years, 20 to $30 million a year into their 40s. And that's not, first of all, we can beat the dead horse that is the White Sox budget, but that's not how the White Sox budget. And secondly, I don't think it's, I just don't think it's necessary to win games that way, because if you look at the Houston Astros, who are still the high watermark, I think, as far as teams in the American League, not everybody in their lineup is a 30 home run hitter. You have guys that are guys who just can hit and they will hit for power. They will hit some home runs, but they're just good, solid hitters. And you need that. You do need that. Well, I want to get into what they're going to do next today. And well, not today. They probably won't do anything. No. Well, well, I don't know. You know, (laughs) we said what they should do next 
last show and, and it happened it. eight hours later after yeah, they it, released it. So it happened very quickly. It really did. You think Rick Hyde was in the office and he was like, oh man, they're right. I should just do this Ben and Dendy deal. You think we did that? I don't think we did it, but it's kind of cool to think I don't that. think we did it. Yeah. But let's throw something in the universe and, and hey, Rick, you know what? We won't even take credit for my, it, man. My dad thinks that we did it. My dad's like, you must have done it. You must have convinced it. Hey, you know, dads love their sons. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take that win. Look, if mom or dad, grandma or grandpa need a little bit of help, uh, then you may want to turn to Hyatt Home Medical Equipment. They're located in Evergreen Park, and they're going to help them switch to a new age of life. Stay out of assisted living. Uh, keep them at home. Keep them independent. It's all about that. And they can put up aids around the house, retrofit the bathtub, set up ways to get them from the first to second floor easily, put ramps outside the house. You name it, they do it. They'll, they'll do whatever it takes to reduce fall risk, to reduce injury risk, to keep them in the home. And if you're dealing with sleep apnea and you need a CPAP machine, they have the latest technology. If you're looking for a spare oxygen tank or the latest in diabetes control, they got you covered there. Stop in and see them. They're going to work with your insurance company. If you mention socks in the basement, they'll take additional money off. See all they have to offer at hhme.com or visit them at 3518 West 95th Street. Joining me on the phone line right now, uh, the perfect holiday treat. I noticed that I hadn't talked to him in a while, and, and who else do I want around when we got friends and family coming in than our old friend James Fox from Future Sacks. How are you, James? Oh, good, sir. Holiday treat. I think my wife would disagree, probably. But... <laughs> hey, is, yours a, is yours as stressed out as mine is right now? Because right now I spend a lot more time down at the basement working on podcasts. Yeah, Chris, so, you know, I have a two-year-old and a seven-month-old. And we're driving to Pittsburgh on Monday. So. <laughs> oh, my God. I feel so yeah. bad for you. <laughs> All right. Well, let's take your mind off that for just a moment, and let's talk about White Sox news. First off, your reaction to the Andrew Benintendi signing, because it's the biggest contract in White Sox history. Uh, I enjoy the signing. It was the right guy for what was left. It doesn't mean it was the best guy they could have gone and gotten, but within the way this team operates – that's a guy, and that's a good contract, and I like it overall. But what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think I said on our show, like, the thing that I was happiest about was just that they spent the money, right? Because, like, Rick Hahn said all the nonsense about, like, oh, we can't throw money at the problem when all of us who follow and cover this team know that, like, really the only way out of this thing is they should spend money. Like, they, they should spend over the problem. So the fact that they did that – it's fine. You know, like whether it was Benintendi or Conforto or whoever, that's fine. I mean, you know, I'm a little worried about the power because I think that they need more power like as a whole. So you're going to have to rely on a lot of your internal guys for it. But look, like they can probably get him to 15 homers, like playing, you know, home games at guaranteed rate. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's a good fit. He does a lot of stuff that they were already doing. But I mean, signing five years, $75 million deal, they should be doing stuff like this every off season. Like we, we shouldn't be mad at them for signing good players, but the problem is we don't know how to feel because they so rarely do it. Right. And it's, it's humorous that it's their, their biggest deal in team history, even though like, yeah, it's a good deal, but it just kind of is what it is. And I think we're always kind of conditioned to like, okay, what's the next move then. Right. So, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's way more positive than what we were talking about prior to that. Like thinking that, Oh my God, they're like, they're not really going to go with Gavin sheets or whoever, you know, like you see the, the, the minor league Victor Reyes deal that signed and you shouldn't even bat an eye at that, that, that should be a guy that's in Charlotte. But as white Sox fans, we're like, Oh my God, they're going to start that guy. So yeah, the, the, the Ben attendee 
shining pretty good in my book. Okay, so I'm going to touch on the right field thing before I get to what I really want to talk to you about, and that's second base. But right field, sure, you got Reyes. We saw Billy Hamilton added to the roster. Gavin Sheets is an, an infielder that's still going to be in the outfield mix, you would expect, uh, or maybe coming off the bench as a bat, but he's still going to get some time out there, I would imagine. But I would think Oscar Colas is the guy that should be out there. W- what do you think their plan is? Is this open competition? Is this uh, we're just trying to hedge our bets in case he has a bad spring training? How do you see this going in right field? So I think they want it to be Oscar Colas. And I would say, like, I, I don't think there's much left for him to prove because the stuff that he has to work on, I just, like, don't really think is going to get better in Charlotte. Like, he goes to Charlotte and puts up a 150 WRC plus, like, in limited time. Everybody's going to be like, all right, well, bring him to Chicago. But on the other hand, you know, if he struggles in spring training, do you bring him to Chicago regardless? Like, you know, so it's kind of weird. I think it's going to be Oscar Colas. I would insulate it and not with a guy they currently have. Like if, if you could make a decent trade for like a Ramon Laureano of the A's or even like go back into the free agent market, which I know maybe sounds crazy for this team for like an Adam Duvall who can play all three spots and hits left. I think they need a right-handed hitting outfielder. Cause like, I think in an ideal world, it's Benintendi and left Kowalski right with your two left-handed bats that I've kind of been clamoring for every time I've talked to you, but they still need like another outfielder, preferably one that hits right-handed. So there are some options. Um, I I think we're going to see Oscar Colas though. I just don't know necessarily, you know, what they're going to do behind him. So if that, if that helps, but yeah, whether, whether he starts at the big league club or not, I think is to be determined. One interesting thing about that's the new rookie of the year rule. Like I think that might be worth having him up from the start just, from that like we saw the the Mariners just got a first round pick because Julio Rodriguez started with the team and won rookie of the year I don't know that Oscar Colas would win rookie of the year but if he did you get a first round pick if he's up for the whole year so that adds an interesting wrinkle yes it does that that is a new incentive to try to keep uh teams away from uh leaving a guy down in the minors for service time uh let's talk second base my feeling on second base is it doesn't need to be. I would love it to be, but it doesn't need to be a guy that I'm going to sit there and say, look at that bat that he brings to my lineup. I think with these new shift rules, it needs to be a guy that's got range. It needs to be a guy who can play the position very well. I don't think you can put a bad defender there anymore at second base. And if I could find a guy that was worth more than replacement level, and it may be because of the glove I would probably accept it. I might not be super happy about it, but I'd accept it as I went into the season. So of the guys currently in the system, is it Romy Gonzalez? Because when I look it up like uh, baseball reference, I try to find advanced stats. It seems like he has the most range and maybe the best glove that they have. Is that your assessment with future sacks? I mean, to me, like, I mean, it seems like winning Sosa just because like I, I would project him more as a regular, like, I feel like if they could discard our buddy, like Larry Garcia somehow, like that's the perfect role for Romy Gonzalez because he can play center. He can play short and all the other infield spots. Like if it's internal, I was hoping that it would be so, so, but like, I kind of thought that they just throw four of these guys out there. And, you know, that kind of included Danny Mendick before he was released essentially. So he's not in that mix. So like, I don't really know what they're going to do, but I do agree with you that, like, they kind of have to worry about defense. The thought of, like, Jake Berger playing there, I think we've talked about, right? Like, that, those days are over with these rules. Like, you, you can't put a guy like that there. So, like, second base is interesting to me because I was kind of under the impression that they would try to go internal. But, 
like looking at it now that you've spent money on Benintendi, like if you went out and grabbed like a Gene Segura or somebody like that, like I think it makes sense. And Rick Hahn talked about all these trades, like maybe, you know, maybe they do just end up trading for somebody. But I will say, like, it's just the position as a whole, I feel like, isn't that good. So when, when people tell me, like, oh, you can't play a prospect there, like, what are your options? Like, I, I'm not sure that Romy Gonzalez and Lenny Sosa can't give you the same production as some scrappy Josh Harrison type signing that you would do anyway. So, like, I do think they have some options if it's internal. Um, I'm not as negative about it as some might be, but maybe they surprise us and add somebody there too. James Fox and every guest here on Socks in the Basement brought to you proudly by the Village of Lamont. Want to experience a downtown with real history, great eats and drinks, and green spaces filled with adventure. Visit the Village of Lamont. I was down there this past weekend. It was beautiful. There were lights everywhere. There, there's a bar down there that I think has more lights on the front of the bar than Clark W. Griswold's house. Uh, shop, dine, drink, explore, and see all they have to offer. Uh, make them a holiday stop even after Christmas passes by. Visit LamontDowntown.com. All right, James, I'm going to ask you a question I can't wait for your take on because I saw your Twitter reaction, but I want to I want to hear you expound on this. Um, the moment that the Cubs signed Dansby Swanson, I'm at a holiday party and I have somebody turn to me and say, well, then Horner would move the second and the White Sox could go back out and get Nick Madrigal. And it doesn't seem like you think that's even a possibility, like the team wouldn't even be interested in him. Break this down for me. Yeah, like, I, I don't know, like, it, this is like a Chicago thing, and it it crosses over, like, all the sports. Like, we love bad athletes. Like, we just do. <laughs> like, for, for some reason, there's just, like, these players that aren't very good that we fall in love with or whatever, right? And, like, it's like, always, like, I've seen it on Twitter, too. It's like, oh, he's better than what they have. And I'm like, is he, though? Like, I don't, I don't know that he is. Like, so they got rid of Nick Madrigal, and, like, he was part of the packages that they offered for lots of guys, right? And then... Like, they eventually traded him for Craig Kimbrell. They basically gave up on him. You know, like, I heard, like, conditioning stuff with him and also, like, just, you know, just, like, his weird devotion to playing baseball the way that he plays it. And I think all of us kind of looked at him and we were like, hey, man, like, maybe you strike out a little bit more, right, but you attack earlier in counts and, you know, you hit for a little bit more power, like some more doubles power, where, like, he just, he doesn't like striking out so much that he just like throws his bat at bad pitches and just hits grounders and stuff all the time. And, you know, to top it off, like he's just, he's not a good defender. He's not a good base runner. He's not as fast as like he was supposed to be. So, you know, I mean, clearly the Cubs have soured a little bit too, right? Because you're like, if you got the chance to sign Dan to be Swanson for a decent contract, like I think if you're in the Cubs, spot like Nick Madrigal isn't going to stop you from doing that but they also don't really have a spot for him so so they've essentially like given up on him too I I don't think that's happening I think there's people high up with the White Sox that weren't big fans of Nick Madrigal and like that's why Nick Madrigal and some others probably are no longer in their current positions so I, I would be stunned um he he might get moved and he might be okay for somebody I just, yeah, I, I think there are, there are better options out there. And I don't think Nick Madrigal is going to be on the White Sox again. All right, so now is one of the biggest moves, before I let you go, is one of the biggest moves that needs to be made getting Larry Garcia out of the way. 
because he can't play outfield and you've got plenty of outfield options now. You should never see him out there. If you can clear him off of the roster, it opens up room for a real center fielder to be a backup like Billy Hamilton if he's, if he's still got it or, or whoever else you want to have out there. You can move guys around and you're never going to have the option of st- sending him out there to play way too shallow and Steve Stone makes fun of him. And he doesn't have a lot of range at second base. He's not good defensively, so it doesn't fit what we talked about there. And he is coming off the the worst season he's ever had and his best seasons he's basically replacement level or below it at the plate and he's a subpar defender and you're stuck with him for what another 11 million dollars he's taking up space I don't think this team's DFAing him because they can never admit fault so is the biggest deal right now trying to get him off the roster yeah so I mean I think you see like some rumblings on Twitter like you know from nobody credible right about like the James McCann thing have you seen this I, I've like, seen this but I don't get that either because if you're trying to get rid of Lurie and his 11 million you're taking on McCann and about 24 million it looks like and he isn't that good either yeah so I mean it seems like the Mets like are gonna probably trade him because he he's been really bad um and, and it seems like they would eat the money like most of the money so you know, I've seen like stuff about Eduardo Escobar too or whatever, but like, if you could make a deal like that for a guy where like you're taking on like kind of a bad contract, like if, if James McCann came back to Chicago, like, and was the backup catcher and like the Mets for whatever reason, like would be willing to take back Larry Garcia in a trade like that, like that would be wonderful. But yeah, like, I just, I don't know. And, and like, if you agree or not, like, I mean, Tony LaRusso is not there anymore. But like this front office signed him, but I have to think if 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 we're sitting there in June and Larry's like as bad as he was last year, my guess is they just bite the bullet and and do the old DFA. But I mean that doesn't stop him from you know playing early in the season and being on the team, right? I mean I feel like if he's in the organization, he's going to be on the team. I don't I don't think that's something they would do in the preseason, but I am hopeful that they aren't just going to like throw him out there constantly like the old manager did. So that part's good. But yeah, like, like I said, like a few minutes ago, like that, that should be a Romy Gonzalez role. He's perfect for that role. I think that, and you know, and he makes the league minimum. So not that I really care about that, but you, you know, you do have to have cheap players on your baseball team. And if one of them is your primary utility guy, I think that's like a way better use of resources. James Fox of Future Sox gave us a lot to digest there, and I loved every minute of it. James, good luck to you as you get two little children into a car and drive off to see your in-laws for the holidays. It sounds wonderful. Thanks so much, my friend. All right. It sounds good. Thanks, Chris. Good to hear from James Fox there. Uh, Ed, I was just in Hailstorm Brewing this past weekend. I've been there twice in the last two weeks. Like, I I, I don't know what it is. There's nothing I think wrong the, with that. No, there's nothing wrong with that. It's the stout selection. That's what it is. I, I go in there, and they've got, like, this ridiculous selection of stouts, and I love stouts in the wintertime. They have an American stout that I tried. It's like a brand-new one from their new brewer, Will Turner, who's fi- finishing out his first year. They've got the world-famous Vlad that's coming out of the barrels, and they've got multiple variations of it, and one of them's up to, like, 18%. I mean, watch yourself with that one. Uh, they've got ones that are reasonable, so you can sit down and have a couple of them with friends, and you're not going to, like, you know, fall off your bar stool. And then they still have the really good selection. I think there's something like 20 different kinds of beers up there. I mean, you walk in, it's a big, giant beer hall. You got all the the, the brewers moving about with the giant vats and uh, producing what they're going to end up doing next. They have live music on the weekends, and it's just a really, really fun time every time I stop in there. In fact, 
Effect on Southside Pod. If you want to, you can listen to a review of one of their most recent beers that came up in the rotation. Check them out online, hailstormbrewing.com, but get out there and try them out this holiday season if you have not yet. Uh, They're located in Tinley Park at 8060 186th Street, right off of 80th Avenue. Hailstorm Brewing, the official brewery of Sox in the Basement. James Fox talking about a lot there. I love his take on Madrigal. It sounds like the White Sox would not be interested in any way because uh, maybe uh, he didn't fall in line with what they believe is an organization. And he wasn't the, you know, I, I don't know what that, the way that sounds to me is, hey, Nick, we'd like you to try something new. And he may have been like, eh, do I have to? And he may have been involved in a lot of different trade packages there. I know that that was something that fans were buzzing about. I had somebody look right at me after the Dansby Swanson signing on the north side and said, well, maybe he's available. Doesn't look like that's a possibility. What I want is a rangy guy. And I threw out Romy Gonzalez. He said Lennon Sosa. He's from Future Sox. He covers the minor leagues more than I do. But I'm okay with either one of those names if you're talking in-house. When I looked up every possibility, I mean, even looking at Madrigal or looking at Danny Mendick or looking at Brandon Drury because I see people that want him. And guess what? He's not rangy. He's bad at defense. And he only hits when he's inside of the Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati. Okay, so you you don't want him. Uh, you don't want Jeter Downs. Jeter Downs is was terrible ranginess. I see everybody so, got excited when he got DFA'd. You don't want to deal with that mess right now. You want to find something that covers the position because I really believe with these new shift rules and the fact that teams are going to be running more with the uh, the larger bases and, and you can only throw over to first base a couple of times and there's all these restrictions, you got the pitch clock, all this stuff going on. I think we're going to see old school baseball and you want somebody who can field the position, right? You don't have to have an all-star at the position. And, and with the Nick Madrigal thing, all you need to know about how the Cubs felt about Nick Madrigal was that they went and signed Dansby Swanson as their big free agent acquisition this year. But yeah, on this team, on the White Sox, you need middle infield defense at this point. I, I think you're going to look at it and go, okay, Yohan Moncada is our third baseman. We're good there. Tim Anderson has improved his defense from when it was bad to now it's just okay. And it's not necessarily a knock on him. It just it is what it is. He does not have tremendous range. You know he's fine. He's fine at shortstop. It's not a, it's not a huge deal. But you need at least one solid infielder there. And without the shift, being able to kind of bail yourself out, you're going to need a guy at second base who can absolutely glove the position and glove it really well. Which is why there's no talk of Jake Berger being there. There's no talk of you moving Bancada back over to second base where he was atrocious. It's got to be somebody with good range, good hands, and you know the ability to contribute something offensively and not be a black hole in the lineup, but they don't have to be a star. They definitely do not have to be a star. Well, I found my wish list item this weekend when I was thinking about this. After, after Ben Intendi was, was signed, and I, I, I do believe that right field should be Oscar Colas's to lose, and I get what Fox is saying, the idea that you know, who cares what he does in spring training? Get him up here and have him play. I do think that you got to move on from Larry Garcia because I don't want to see him in the outfield. I'd rather see Billy Hamilton have space. I mean, think about this. You got 13 position players and 13 pitchers that you're going to break camp with, okay? Nine of those position players are going to be part of the lineup, and four of them are sitting on the bench. If I'm going to take a backup catcher, and I would like to hold on to Berger's bat, and I would like to uh, possibly see Gavin Sheets being able to come off the bench as a left-handed hitter and Colas out in right field. 
you're getting you're getting a crunch there, right? I mean, Berger maybe doesn't make the team if you go with what Fox said, where Sosa would be the the second baseman. You need a utility guy, and it'd be Romy Gonzalez if you could get rid of Larry Garcia. I would love to see Billy Hamilton speed. He was signed to a minor league deal. Is there room for him? Larry doesn't do anything great. And so you want to get out from underneath that, but you've got him signed for $11 million over the next two years. So you, you see these weird rumors like, you know, dealing him away just to bring in somebody else that you don't want. I don't want James McCann. What the heck? I mean, Zebby Zavala is the backup, gives Grafal like a chance to start Zavala if Grandal doesn't bounce back. You know, I he he was actually a capable backstop. So when I look at this whole thing and I think trades, I came up with my wish list item. I went on the trade simulator website that we have linked from SoxInTheBasement.com, and I dealt with the Baltimore Orioles to try to acquire Jorge Mateo because they're looking for pitching. They, they, they feel like it's time now, right? And I took a look at this and I said, well, I could trade Graveman straight up for Jorge Mateo in that simulator. And if I could overpay for him with Hendricks, and don't get yourself too excited, but if I could overpay for him with Hendricks, I could probably dump Garcia into the deal with that. And I would pick up this Mateo. Let me, let me tell you about this guy. They got Adam Frazier now sitting there at second base. If you look at fan graphs, this is a kid that's coming off the bench. He's rangy at short. He's rangy at second. He's 27 years old. He stole 35 bases last year, and he's a 3.4 B war, even though his OPS was only 646 last year. That means he's below average at the plate, and he was worth three and a half wins above replacement. He's a defensive player. That's a guy who gives you range and defense and versatility. And if Anderson needs time off, you could even consider putting one of the lesser defenders over at second base that are on your roster and moving him over to short on those off days. And he could he could fill that role for you. And you might even be able to push Larry out the door and open up a little bit more versatility. I, I and, and you know what? I think with these bigger bases and not being able to throw over to first base too many times, a guy that stole 35 bases last year might steal 100. And so that's a plus player right there that's sitting on the bench of a team that's begging for pitching. And, and so I like, I don't know that, that, that also could have been a, like some sort of drunken idea that I came up with on my third stout at hailstorm. So maybe I'm nuts. <laughs> no, you're not nuts. You're not nuts. Look, do you remember in 2004 to 2005 when Carlos Lee, who was considered to be a, you know, an absolute top player on the on the 2004 White Sox was traded for Scott Pesednik, and everyone went, "What the hell, Scott Pesednik?" Right. He, he can't hit. He can't hit anything. Yeah. All Scotty Pods did was solidify the top of the lineup for a World Championship team, steal a bunch of bases, uh, you know, handle himself well in the field and everything. I mean, there was just, you know, he became an integral part of that team. So a guy like Mateo, you sit there and go, "Why would you trade your closer, your one of your?" Alleged top setup men. One of them. One of them. One of them. Like I felt like I felt like I could get rid of Leary if I if I made it Hendricks. Yeah. And I have such a disdain for Leary Garcia on this lineup. I was willing to get rid of Liam Hendricks. That's that's how much I don't want him on my lineup. That's that's just a personal me thing. I'm sure there's people out there that disagree with that idea, but I'm just like, get him off my team. He's just in the way there. You know what I'm saying? But speed is going to be such a big deal, I think, with these new rules. Speed and defense are back. It's what Major League Baseball wants. They're deadening the baseballs with the exception of the all-star game and the postseason because chicks dig the long ball. We all know that. But they want the game to move quicker 
and they want the game to be more exciting, and that means less home runs and more stealing bases and and more defensive plays and and more more first the thirds and all this other stuff. And you've got to start being prepared to play 1975 baseball again. You've got to start thinking that's a possibility that that's what you're going to have to go out and do. And so players like that, even if it isn't Mateo, are valuable players. And you're always looking for that market inequality that you could pounce on before another franchise figures it out. That's one of them right there. And I, that, that's the kind of guy I want at second base. Internally, Romy, or as Fox said, Sosa. But, I, but you really want to go outside and find a defender. And if you can find one with speed, that's valuable. And it's more valuable than I think a lot of people think. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.